Mark chapter 7, verses 14 to 23. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull, he asked? Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on. What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. Thanks, Sarah. Uh, my name's Carl. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, over last week and then the next couple of weeks, we've been thinking about that question, how do you fix the world? So at the end of last year, we asked people that we know what they think uh, is the answer to that question. Uh, how would you fix the world? And we're looking over these few weeks at some of the answers to that question. Last week, we looked at fix society. And this week, we're looking at fixing people. It's interesting, I once heard someone remark that uh, on the left of politics, the answer to the question, how do you fix the world, is fix society. And on the right of politics, the answer to the question is fix people. Uh, and so it's often interestingly the case that uh, those are the ways that people try and fix the world. But we want to think about what God has to say about that question, how do you fix the world, and about what it means to fix society and to fix people. We're going to be thinking about that this morning, but before we do that, let's pray and ask God to give us understanding. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we live in a broken world and all of us can see that. Uh, and Lord, some of us have experienced that much more forcefully than others. Lord, we've already prayed this morning about uh, our fellow uh, human beings in South Sudan. Uh, and yet, Lord, we seem often powerless to know how to fix the world. And so we ask that as we think about these questions uh, today and over the next couple of weeks as well, that you would help us to understand uh, what you are doing to fix the world that you've made. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, one of my favourite authors is Agatha Christie, and my favourite my favorite character that Agatha Christie penned was Hercule Poirot. Uh, and I just love watching films about Hercule. Uh, and there's a new one coming out, and so I read a review this week in, uh, you know, online about this new film. I, I, I saw it in the feed and I thought, oh, yeah, that sounds interesting. But it turns out that there's a problem with the film. Uh, the problem with the film is that one of the main actors has been involved in a bunch of gruesome and sordid allegations, or he's been accused of 
a number of things. He's been accused by various women of expressing some really, quite frankly, disturbing and uh, just profoundly evil uh, views on topics like rape and also even cannibalism. And the result is that it's put the film to some degree under a cloud and this character, this main actor, has been kind of expunged or purged from any of the film's trailers. That is, they want to promote the film but without reminding anyone about this particular actor being involved. Uh, interestingly, the same thing happened a couple of years ago when The Murder on the Orient Express, another Poirot uh, film, came out. One of the stars of that film was accused just before it was released of having been seriously abusive to his wife. Now, you don't have to look very far to find examples of famous people uh, who uh, have been found out or exposed as being involved in some really disturbing behaviour. You don't have to look very far to find that. It's on the news uh, and so on. But it's not just famous people uh, who are involved in disturbing behaviour. This past week, the head of ASIO, Mike Burgess, uh, that's, uh, ASIO is Australia's domestic intelligence organisation, responsible for things like uh, counterintelligence and um, counterterrorism and stuff like that. Uh, this week, the head of ASIO revealed that over half of their priority counterterrorism investigations concerned people under 18. Over half of their priority counterterrorism investigations involve minors. But again, disturbing behaviour is not restricted to famous people or to those uh, out there who are the subject of ASIO investigations. Disturbing behaviour is not just restricted to people that we've never met, but some of us ourselves have probably been the victims of abuse of one kind or another, whether that's physical abuse or sexual abuse or manipulation or control or something like that. Uh, and many of us or some of us will carry the scars of that, maybe even years after those things have happened. If you've experienced things like that, then I suspect that nobody needs to convince you that people need fixing. Maybe it's someone in your family. Maybe it's uh, someone at your workplace from whom you've experienced those kinds of things. But as we ask people how they would fix the world, this was one of the key answers that people gave, and maybe unsurprisingly. How would you fix the world? People said they would fix the world by fixing people. Uh, and if you've been hurt by people, that makes great sense. So we can see the problem. But seeing the problem is only really half of what needs to happen. It's not even, in fact, half of what needs to happen. Seeing the problem is just the start. The question is, how do you actually fix people? And that's what we want to think about today from the Bible. What does God have to say in the Bible about his plans for fixing people? And we're going to think about that by reflecting on those words that Sarah read for us from one of the biographies of Jesus' life. It was written by a man named Mark. 
And there Jesus speaks about not only the depth of the human problem, but also God's plan to fix it. And the most interesting thing maybe to start with observing is that Jesus completely agrees with the problem. He agrees that we need to fix people. What's maybe unexpected is that he identifies a much, much deeper problem maybe than we would ourselves. So we find Jesus in this passage speaking to this crowd that's gathered around him and he says these words in the 15th verse. He says, Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it's what comes out of a person that defiles them. Now, maybe it sounds at first as though Jesus is talking about food hygiene, you know, wash your hands before you eat, or maybe about toilet habits, you know, make sure that you, uh, you know, flush the toilet, whatever it is. Uh, But it's not what you eat that defiles you, Jesus says, but it's what comes out of you uh, that defiles you. So you might think, okay, it's not what you eat, but it's, you know, going to the toilet that makes you unclean. A defile means just that, it means to make someone unclean. It's like stepping in dog poo, that defiles your shoe. If you walk that into the house, that defiles the carpet. That's the kind of imagery that Jesus is working with. But it also helps to know that in the world of the Jews and the Old Testament, defiled or unclean was a religious category. So people who were unclean, or defiled, were unfit to approach God. But even though the disciples knew that, they still don't really understand what he's talking about, what Jesus is talking about. And so when they get a chance on their own to speak to Jesus, they ask him what he means by that. And so he explains in verse 21, he says, For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance and folly. All these things come from inside and defile a person. So Jesus is saying, what he's trying to get at is, he's he's saying, the thing that makes you unable to approach God, the God of heaven and earth who made us, who created everything, the thing that makes us unable to approach that God is not that we've eaten the wrong thing, it's not that we've not washed our hands after we've gone to the toilet, It's not that we've trod in dog poo and we can't come to God because on the outside we're defiled. No, Jesus says, the problem is what's inside of us. And what's inside of us is what the Bible calls sin. Our hearts are factories of filth. Think of the most polluting, uh, you know, kind of industry that you can possibly think of pumping gallons of uh, toxic waste into the local river streams. That's the kind of image that the Bible gives us of the human heart. What comes out of our hearts is evil thoughts, sexual morality, lewdness, greed, theft, hatred, malice, murder, deceit. Envy, slander, arrogance and folly. We might be outwardly respectable, but deep down all of us are the great unwashed. The problem with humanity and with the world, says Jesus, is what comes out of our heart. 
And it's not just what comes out of the heart of some people, those who are the targets of ASIO investigations, actors who fall foul of, uh, of uh, whatever social expectations. The problem is not just some people, but all of us. Think about a child. Nobody has to teach a child to be selfish. Nobody has to teach a child to disobey their parents. Nobody has to teach a child to be rude or unkind. Nobody has to teach a child to hit their brother or sister. There's not classes at school to try and train kids to do that. Nobody has to teach a child to steal someone else's toy. No, we spend all our time and energy trying to knock that out of children. The problem is not just out there and everybody else. The problem is in all of us. That's how we all come into this world polluted by sin. And if you think about your own life, you probably will recognise that if you can think about it for a moment and be honest with yourself. How is it that you think about other people? You know, do you always think the best of other people or do you often think the worst? Do you often paint people in the worst light imaginable? They do something and then you ascribe motivations to them that you have no idea whether they're true or not, but you ascribe the worst possible motivations to them. You have arguments with people in your head that you've never had in real life and you, who always wins? What about envy? Do you envy other people or when other people succeed and you don't, when other people get the praise and you don't, are you always unbelievably happy for them? Wow, just, it's just fantastic. I'm so glad they got the glory and nobody noticed me. What about slander? Are the things that you say about people always positive? Always encouraging? Or do you find yourself gossiping about other people? Putting other people down? And what's so damning really I often think about the human condition is not that we do those things to people that we don't care about. That's bad enough. But what I think is so remarkable, so revealing, is that we often do exactly those things to the people that we love the most. It's one thing to do it, I suppose, about people that we don't care about, but to, to have people whom we love, whom we want to serve, whom we want to honour, and yet we find ourselves almost intractably, almost irresistibly drawn to doing evil to them. They do something that you don't like, maybe a child, maybe your spouse. Maybe they just aren't paying you the attention that you think you deserve and you resent it. Deeply. And you do what you can to hurt them. You don't pay them the attention that they want. The problem is not just them. 
It's not just out there, it's us. And again, the problem is not just what's going on in society, it's not drugs, it's not just oppressive social systems, it's not that he or she made me do it. The problem is us and our hearts, and it's a problem of every single one of us. In the Old Testament, there was a great king, a great leader of God's people, whose name was David, you might have heard of him. David was a good man, he was a good king. He was a godly man, but one time he messed up particularly badly. He saw a woman that he loved, that he wanted for himself. He got her, he took her, he slept with her, she got pregnant. To cover it up, he killed off the woman's husband. It was the most sordid thing, kind of thing, that you could imagine. It's worse than anything that I can think of in recent history in one of the world's political leaders can't think of anyone who's done anything like that in the, in, in the Western world. This is what David says about himself. He says this. Hopefully it comes up on the slide. There it is. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Right from the very beginning. Before he even made it out into the world, David says he was sinful. And it's the same for every one of us. That's what we're like. That's the problem. So Jesus says, this is the problem. But before he talks about what will fix the problem, he talks about what won't fix the problem. It's often helpful to do that, isn't it? To say, well, what's not going to work? How do we fix the problem or how do we not fix it? Well, Jesus says, first of all, Uh, He challenges the solutions that we normally have to this problem. He says we can't fix this problem by controlling what we consume, by controlling what goes in, by controlling what the people ate. Seems a really stupid idea to us, but that's what the people thought. They thought that if we watch what we eat, we can be closer to God. So Jesus says in verse 18... Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them, for it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then out of the body. You eat it, it comes out the other end, Jesus says. It doesn't affect how you think about people and how you treat them. It doesn't affect the seat of your emotions, the heart. It's such a silly idea, really, isn't it, that what you eat could make you better or worse. But really, actually, the tragedy is that many people believe something not quite the same, but very similar. Loads of religions around the world will teach that you can become a better person by lighting a candle. Or kneeling before a little idol. Or by dressing in a particular way, or by going to a certain place. Jesus says that's ridiculous because actually none of those things can penetrate into our inner being. They're just on the outside. It's not just religious people who think like that. We all do. Even our secular society thinks like that. Our society, when it comes to thinking about the ways of fixing people, we try and do that by controlling what goes in. So we control what people see, either by restricting what people see or by teaching them particular things. 
We run ed endless education campaigns in the hope that if we put the right information in front of people, that they'll make the right choices. But the problem is not that people don't have the right information. Sometimes that might be the problem. But the problem is people know what's right, but then don't do it. How many drivers on the road do you think are unaware that speeding is wrong? No, maybe we need more education campaigns to explain to people what a road, what a speed sign means. The problem is not a lack of understanding or education. The problem is that people know what's right, what's expected, but they don't do it. We think that if we can get people out of the wrong situations, if we can get them out of poverty or into work, we'll fix a problem. If we can get them away from bad influences, that that will fix a problem. Uh, if, we can get, if we can send the nasty people away out of our society, that will fix the problem maybe as well. Our society will be like a haven. It will be pure and safe. Sometimes people think that better rules are the answer. So whenever there's something wrong, the way that we respond in terms of trying to fix things is by creating new laws. And so what happens over time is that we end up with more and more laws, but not better and better people. Some people think that that's what the solution that Christianity offers. That is, it just offers a big set of rules to live by and that will fix people. Some people think that that's the message of the Bible, that uh, the way we fix people is by knowing all the right laws by which we live. But that is not what the Bible teaches. Lots of worldviews teach that, but not the Bible. Jesus says, controlling what goes in won't fix the problem. Because the fundamental problem is not what's outside and around you, but what's inside of you. It's what's already there. It's the imaginative ways that our hearts find to do the very things that God hates. It's not things like education or good laws or removing bad influences that will fix people. It's doing something to the heart. So the question then finally is, well, what do we do? We know the problem, we know what won't fix it, what will fix it? Well, since the beginning of COVID, we've all got used to a few things. One is wearing masks, but another one is washing our hands frequently. We probably don't do it as often as we're supposed to, but every place that we enter, we're supposed to wash our hands. There's hand sanitizer, and the idea is that we stop uh, the spread of the disease. We know how to wash our hands, but how do you wash a heart? You know, is there alcohol wipes or hand sanitizer to cleanse the human heart? Is there an operation that you can do? Yeah, sure, there are operations that you can do to fix the human heart, you know, the physical heart. But what do you do to fix the seed of our emotions and our will and our desires? What do we do to fix that? Well, Jesus doesn't actually 
give the answer here. He just tells the people what the problem is and what the answer isn't. But there are lots of places in the Bible that talk about the solution. And I want to read two passages too. The first is from the first half of the Bible, the Old Testament. Uh, It's from before Jesus came. And it's the words from a man whose name was Ezekiel. And it's a promise that God gave before the coming of Jesus to explain what Jesus would do to fix the problem of what was wrong in the human heart. So uh, it says this, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. God promises that he will do what we can't do, what no operation can do, what no teaching and education can do. He promises to actually clean up our inner being. He'll wash us through his Holy Spirit who comes to us in Jesus. He'll take away the filth that's in there, in us, and give us new, clean, pure hearts to do what God wants. That's the first passage. The second passage comes from the New Testament, from a little bit after Jesus lived and died and rose again. And these words are explaining what Jesus came to do for those who trust in him. They're from a letter that was written by a man named Paul to a church in a place called Ephesus. And in that letter, he's talking actually, first of all, about the relationship between husbands and wives, but then he gets carried away by talking about Jesus. And he says this, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. What did Jesus do? He gave himself up. He gave himself up to death on the cross in order to make his people holy. He gave himself up to death on the cross in order to wash us. The detergent that we needed to be cleansed is death. He gave himself up to death on a cross so that at the very last day he might present his people as radiant, spotless, pure, without blemish, without sin. At the last day when Jesus returns to gather his people, he will present his people, will all stand before God, but Jesus will present his people pure and blameless. Those without Christ will stand before God in all the filth. What is lies in our hearts will be, be there open for all to see, for God uh, as well as the rest of us. But those who belong to Jesus will be presented by Christ, holy, pure and blameless. We can't do it for ourselves, but Jesus can do it. Jesus is, in other words, like the ultimate laundry service, but not for clothes, 
for our hearts. We bring stained, filthy, dirty, soiled hearts and Jesus does the work to make us washed, pure and clean. Some of us try to save some money and do the laundry ourselves, but it doesn't work. We need professional cleaning and that professional cleaning comes from Jesus. And so it's right for us to recognise that one of the ways that we fix the world or one of the ways that the world needs to be fixed is by fixing people. But you and I can't do it. We need God to do it for us. That king, that King David, who recognised the depravity, the sinfulness, the wretchedness of his own heart, he, in that same psalm, wrote this, Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. That's a prayer that God has answered in Jesus. Jesus has died to blot out all the wrong things that we've done for those who trust in him. And he's come also to clean up us up through his spirit and present us holy and blameless on the day of his return. I'm going to pray a similar prayer now to that prayer that David prayed. And if you want God to fix uh, you, you might like to pray along uh, this prayer in your heart as well. Let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Thank you that you're willing. Please make me clean. Forgive me for all the wrong things that I've done against you. Forgive me for all the wrong things that I've done against the people that you've made. Forgive me that deep down I love evil rather than good. Forgive me that deep down I love myself rather than you. Take away all my sins. Wash me and make me a new person. Make me a person who loves and follows Jesus. For I ask it in his name. Amen.